Hello and welcome to the Canola Watch podcast. My name's Jay Wetter, and today I've got a one-on-one conversation about soil with Jocelyn Velastuck. And Jocelyn is a board member with Saskatchewan Soil Conservation Association. She's an agronomist with Western Ag, and she farms at Broadview, Saskatchewan. I started off by asking her about the farm. We're just north of Broadview, Saskatchewan, in the southeast corner of the province here. And uh, we, we're we in the black soil zone, a thin black soil zone. Of course, uh, um, the soil uh, comes into play here. Um, and I'm, I'm not from here originally, uh, but uh, my husband and I, we just kind of jumped in both feet uh, a few years ago here with uh, my mother and father-in-law. And we have around um, 350 head that we're calving out this year. And uh, we also are putting in around 2,500 acres of, of grain farm. Where are you from originally? I'm originally from Winyard, Wishard area. I grew up on a farm around there. When you say the you're in the thin black soil and soil comes into play, what is it different in in where you are, or would would you say? I mean, why would you yeah. say soil yeah. comes into play there when it maybe isn't as big a factor in some some other region? Well, it's always a big factor, <laughs> and where I am, um, being an import here, I and you know, with my husband taking over the farm here, I didn't exactly get to choose my soil. <laughs> if I could pick anywhere, it might might not be here. But um, uh, I definitely have a lot of challenges with our thin black soil here with um, low organic matter. And um, we're kind of in cattle country, they call it, which which means it's good at um, good for putting into perennial forage. And um, we have a lot of challenges here that um, we're looking at um, sustainable agriculture practices to, to kind of regenerate our soil. What are some of the regenerative practices that you think work? Well, one of the big buzzwords now is cover crops. And um, and there's there's different ways to look at cover crops too. And But the idea behind it is um, soil functions better when plants are growing all the time. Uh, so plants put in um, root exudates that improve the soil. Their roots aerate the soil, and uh, it's just really good for the soil to keep a diverse array of plant material growing. So it works best if you have cattle, because any plant you grow, you you can provide forage for your cattle, and that converts to money. So it makes sense. Um, grain farming, it's a little bit more difficult because there's a very narrow window in order to put those cover crops in. And um, sometimes, you know, you're not sure if you're going to get enough time for those plants to grow. But it's definitely something that's developing right now on the prairies here. And, and there's a lot of curiosity about. Um, but the other other things that aren't new our crop rotation and making sure there's a, a diverse and um, enough crops in a rotation where your soil microbes can can um, build over time and, and diversify so that you know the good microbes can can do good to kind of fight off the bad microbes in a way. 
like um, like fungus infections and such. Yeah, and I think we're. I want to come back to cover crops in a sec, but but you just sure. touched on something. I think we're getting a lot smarter about those organisms in the soil and soil DNA. Like, um, yeah. and do you feel that we're on the verge of of maybe taking another leap in terms of what we know about soil health or what actually makes healthy soil, which you alluded to earlier, and then from there, I mean, maybe maybe taking measures that we actually know will make a difference. Are we just getting to the point now where, where we're going to take another leap when it comes to soil health management? Well, I really, really hope so. That is like my my big wish for, for agriculture because it's it's the way of the future in that it's, it's how we're going to sustain our soil long term. And um, right, I believe we're at the point right now where we're finding that the soil is not giving us as much as it once had and it's not as forgiving because we've we've tapped out a lot of the nutrients in the soil and we need to build the organic matter up and build our soil health um, to make sure that that our farms can sustain us long term and, and be profitable long term and i i just think if we get a drought or or you know some sort of um, thing like that that we need to really plan for risk management almost with soil health in that more organic matter is better for maintaining the soil moisture getting that mulch on the surface can can hold in that moisture and um, growing plants year-round is a good way to to not necessarily maintain the soil moisture but make sure that there's continuous cover so that the soil isn't blown away okay perfect you transition back to cover crops for me uh so i like you, I've heard a lot about cover crops, and it seems to be kind of a buzzword, I guess, or a buzz phrase, but mm-hmm. but f- probably for good reason. What I'm not getting yet is the economics. So in, in your experience, um, being a cattle producer helps, but what cover crops do you use? How much do they cost over and above just a regular crop? And is there... Are you seeing at least a break even on on doing them? Well, I think it's it's very early now to tell because there's not a lot of producers doing this right now, and um, it's different for every farm and what every farm needs. So there's not a really easy answer to that right now. It's still in the beginning stages, and there's a lot of plants to choose from. Um, but I think, you know, depending if you want to do fall grazing, you might underseed um, some crops that might provide um, more more growth later in the fall for the cattle for good forage. Um, but if you're a grain farmer, you might want something that's, that's fast growing so that you, you take advantage of that short window in order to get the benefit from that cover crop. And um, in terms of in terms of cost and benefit, it's really hard to ma- to estimate that because it's not always converted directly to money. Your soil health will improve, but it's really hard to measure that and put it into a dollar amount. So I think that's why it's kind of difficult to have uptake um, quickly with this. But I definitely think uh, there's something to it. So if you were going to recommend something for um, a, uh, just a 100% cropping 
farm, no cattle. Um, would something like fall rye, uh, where you're capturing some of that sun's energy, putting it into new, building up nutrients and then just working it in, in, in the spring. Um, yeah, that, that's something that's been quite popular in this, in down South in the States. Um, but they also have, they have a different rotation. They have a slightly different climate than us. And it's not something that's been practiced here too much. Um, but um, so I can't really comment on that in Saskatchewan. But I know that they're finding that even they're seeing better returns on their their soybean corn rotation, just adding in one more crop um, in that cover crop. So um I can't comment on it here and, and we have, you know, different crops that we grow, but um, I'm not sure uh, if it would work as, as well here. It's all right. So going back to fertilizer then as a way, like we're in a lot of cases, you, you could argue that, that um, we're mining the soil of its nutrients by not using replacement amounts of fertilizer um, is just, maintaining a, a replacement rate, would that be enough to maintain soil health? Um, I would say like with, with my job as um, doing soil sampling and crop planning, um, we, we see what the soil is, is giving us. And um, so that is what's available to the plant and then uh, top up the extra with fertilizer. And if, if the fertilizer, if the the soil fertility is available, then it's also sometimes available um, to be leached as well. So especially with nitrogen, we want to match that as close as possible. But with other nutrients like phosphorus and potassium that don't move as much in the soil, we can build those more. So it might be better to to build more with phosphorus for example to put more um, um, phosphorus down with our with our seed um, when we when we seed rather and um, and with the other nutrients like nitrogen like I said we got to be very mindful to to match that as close as possible when I was looking for a farmer to interview, I went to the Saskatchewan Soil Conservation Association. I said, hey, do you, do you know anyone who I could talk about who just loves soil more than anyone? And they immediately came back with your name. <laughs> do you know why they might have picked you? Well, I said me. <laughs> they, <laughs> they, asked, they asked the board members if they know anyone who... who absolutely loves soil and is a farmer and I said well yeah that definitely is me I'm I'm passionate so much about soil that um, I did my master's research in in soil science and under Dr. Jeff Shano and, and Richard Farrell from U of S there and um, my passion now I can put to work in a practical way on a farm and that to me is is pretty cool and and I hope to to be a one of the leaders in in soil health and, and agriculture sustainability and and m reach as many farmers as I can and many farms as I can to um, make sure that we can sustain agriculture long term and it all starts with the soil yeah digging in the soil. What was your master's thesis? 
it was um, uh, novel organic in amendments in that organic as in um, like alfalfa pellets and adding organic matter directly to soil. And did you come to a, a practical conclusion? Uh, well, the conclusion was like it's it's expensive to ship organic matter, right? It's not like a um, a chemical fertilizer um, where you get more percentage of each nutrient. Um, so I looked at it in remediation of soils and um, mostly uh, remediation, and then I also looked at um, manure from cattle that are fed distillers grains and how it differs. Um, so. So um, the conclusions that I came to was, of course, more research and um, uh, that, you know, there's, there's different things that you feed to cattle, like disclosed grains are fairly um, hot feed. So you, you get high levels of higher levels of nitrogen and phosphorus um, if you um, compost that manure um, is what I found. So, um, yeah, that was a few years ago now, though. <laughs> Do you have to compost it? You don't have to, no. All right. So if you took the manure from the from the yard uh, and distributed it in the field, that would be okay to get some of that benefit from that hot feed. Yeah, yeah. You still you manure is a wonderful fertilizer. I wish I had enough manure to put on every inch of land <laughs> that I have uh, because it is a fast way of putting that organic matter back into the soil and those nutrients into the soil. And um, yeah, I, I work with um, some cattle producers in a, a feed feedlot too. And, and uh, I get to kind of see the benefits of that firsthand and work with, with work with soils that are, are manured as well. Okay. So you, you love soil. We know that. What's the weirdest thing you've ever done with soil or, or in a field? Um, the weirdest thing well I always like to get a feel of the soil and um, I know my father-in-law likes to tell the story when they first met me and took me out to see their fields and and they were tilling heavily and um, they were organic farmers so they needed to till to control the weeds so of course I didn't like that and so I I wanted to see the texture in the soil and and um, um, so I picked up picked up some dry soil and of course we didn't have any water with us and so I, I spit in my hand and <laughs> started texturing the soil <laughs> and they thought that was quite odd I guess and um, but it's something that I had done all the time I guess yeah well thank you Jocelyn that was a old-fashioned meandering conversation about soil with Jocelyn Belastuck who farms at Broadview Saskatchewan for lots more on soil fertility, go to canolawatch.org and look under the fertility banner at the top. Thanks for listening. I'm Jay Wetter. Canola Watch is an agronomy service provided by the Canola Council of Canada and funded in part by grower levy contributions to the provincial canola organizations.